Cudigy, to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakunjahade, which means distant thunder. My colonized name is Robert Pilot, and we discuss local and national Native news events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. You are right, Dega. This portion of this show is supported by the Minnesota Historical Society Press and All My Relations Arts presenting a book reading and signing of To Banish Forever, A Secret Society, The Ho-Chunk, and Ethnic Cleansing in Minnesota, written by Kathy Coates. Yes, we're excited, and we'll be doing a live show there uh, at All My Relations Arts, so I'm super excited, and Haley's not as excited because she has to do all the work, but... uh, Oh. <laughs> oh, you're kind of excited, though. I'm very excited. Cool. We'll be there oh. uh, this Wednesday, uh, this coming Wednesday. So just to give everyone just kind of a quick little overview of the book, in 1863, after the end of the U.S.-Dakota War, a group of white men in the Mankato, Minnesota, formed a secret society pledging to expel the Ho-Chunk people from the nearby Blue Earth Reservation with the goal of claiming for themselves some of the richest farmland in the world. And that's kind of uh, who the players are. And uh, uh, Kathy Coates is the author, and she's been on the show a few times, and she'll be on next Tuesday. And one of the things that uh, I think is really interesting about this is not only the the secret society, but the names of the people. She names who who is, and a lot of them are familiar Minnesota names that uh, have a long history here. So it's interesting to, to see the skeletons and things like that and how, who's who is proud to get the Ho-Chunk out of uh, Minnesota. Uh, And, you know, basically they moved us out and people, settlers were right there, ready with uh, the crops already in the ground to take over the land. And uh, um, it's part of our history and it's also part of Minnesota history. So it's really exciting to to talk about and listen about, listen to the the book, To Banish Forever, a secret society, uh, the Ho-Chunk and the ethnic cleansing in Minnesota, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. Kathy is uh, a researcher and uh, this is all research. This is not uh, opinionated uh, book, Haley, that uh, that uh, could be construed in a couple different ways. This is all the facts and our mm-hmm. history and history. A lot of Ho-Chunk do know in Winnebago here that live in Minnesota. Um, but I, I feel like it's really a good time that this book is coming out because of, uh, I believe like people that, uh, maybe, uh, younger than 40 don't know the history and don't know that Ho-Chunk, uh, this Mm -hmm. is, this is our land too. And, uh, absolutely. And I know too, Haley, that, uh, like the university of Minnesota and, uh, and the Minnesota historical society do mention Ho-Chunk in their land acknowledgement. And that's, that's really progress for us to hear. Yeah, that's huge. And, um, you know, I'm excited. We're a big Pinagigi. Thank you so much to the Minnesota Historical Society for helping, you know, Kathy and everyone who contributed to um, getting these these facts out and getting our Ho-Chunk story out there and uh, from our ancestors. And, um, you know, it's just as someone who is a descendant of Ho-Chunk in Winnebago, uh, I always knew that our immediate family has resided here in Minnesota for the past few generations. And um, I know we have relatives. Great grandma uh, is buried down, uh, I believe, just south of Blue Earth and uh, near the Albert Lee area. And so it means a lot to us to be recognized here and have our truth told and and just be acknowledged. It's it's a very big deal. Yeah, it is. And uh, and again, I think it's it can be used as a revitalization of us uh, Ho Chunk because I remember being at the uh, Mankato powwow and they were talking about uh, uh, people that were were there and they were doing a shovel ceremony because I think they're opening up a new uh, powwow arena down there and I just kind of said well what about Ho Chunks to uh, the master ceremony and I said absolutely why don't you get in there so I got in there with a shovel and a and a hard hat and uh, looking dope, I'm sure, and uh, mm-hmm. out some uh, some dirt. So uh, you know, if we're not speaking, Ho Chunk uh, Ho Chungala means people of the sacred voice, and that's who we are. And uh, it's also been kind of defined as uh, the big voice. So we speak up for ourselves, and we appreciate our allies out there that are 
speaking on our behalf and also with this book specifically, Haley, uh, people vetted this out and I know professor Amy Lone Tree had a lot to do with it. And she's, uh, um, she's, she vetted it out. So it's, you know, not so much a, a white history about Ho-Chunk, but a Ho-Chunk history. And we really appreciate it. And she's going to be in town too. And I just want to read the back of the book here, which she put, uh, professor Lone Tree put, uh, uh, the Banish Forever is a powerful written and compelling history of the Ho-Chunk Nation in Minnesota and the colonial forces seeking their removal from the state in the 19th century. It's per, it is pervasively argued, engagingly written, well-researched, and urgently needed. It will also make a lasting contribution to many areas of scholarship. This book needs to be in the hands of people all across Minnesota and beyond. So that's a great, uh, a great, uh, a little back of the sleeve written uh, endorsement of the book. Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited to read this and just learn more about our, our family's history and our ancestors. So, uh, allies, our friends and relatives, um, our neighbors, uh, please come join us at All My Relations Art Gallery, fourteen fourteen East Franklin Avenue, this coming Wednesday, January seventeenth, from five thirty to seven. We'll be uh, Native Roots Radio. will be doing a live first half broadcasted show out there, uh, and then there'll be book signing as well and a chance to purchase the book. Well, and not only that, we'll have, I'll be speaking, Amy Lone Tree will be speaking, and Kathy Coates will do a reading and um, have a question and answer. So mm -hmm. that, that's, that's going to be a good time. So come on out there. It's free, and unless you want to purchase the book. And uh, I'll be wearing um, some sort of ribbon shirt or something, and Haley will have a ribbon skirt on, and uh, we'll be chilling like villains here at this uh at this uh opening this book opening yeah as we always do called? is that what it's called the book opening no <laughs> book reading book uh sale um but yeah we're excited as ho-chunks to uh to have this uh history brought up again and uh, a whole book written about the removal of us and uh and that you know this has been our our land's before there were borders and so we're really excited to be acknowledged and and talked about in a good way and i hope everyone can make it yeah we look forward to seeing you there i know um a couple more things going on this weekend before the next coming week for our relatives and friends up near the duluth area there is the gitchy manadu gizis great spirit moon powwow happening uh, this Friday, January 12th, and Saturday, January 13th, Friday, uh, 7 to 8.30, and Saturday, 10 a.m. registration, 1 to 7, grand entry, 5 p.m. a feast, and this is taking place at the Black Bear Casino Resort, uh, the Otter Creek Event Center. Wow. Anything else going on? We got like a minute to kill before we get uh, uh, State Senator Mary Kunish on. Absolutely. So going into the arts, too, we got uh, the last weekend to go see the In My Hands exhibit out at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, as well as the closing reception of the current exhibit, Abijiwan Ekiyut Yanale at All My Relations Arts. The closing reception uh, for that exhibit at AMRA is happening this Saturday from 12 to 2, again at 1414 East Franklin Avenue, Minneapolis. Wow, that's exciting. Hey, we got a minute left here. Why don't we uh, end this with a, a little uh, harmony here? And, uh, we'll be right back. This is Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake in uh, our Friday edition of next State Senator Mary Kunish. As we pack away the ornaments and bid farewell to the holiday season, it's time to unwrap the gift that keeps on giving, getting protected by a COVID-19 vaccination. 
This is your chance to make a difference, especially as our Native communities face higher COVID numbers. Those higher numbers underscore the need for collective action. So answer the call and get vaccinated. The latest vaccines are not just authorized, but they're proven effective against the current variants. This is extra protection, even if you've already had previous vaccines, since previous vaccines will eventually wear off. Plus, the new shots are FDA approved for ages six months and up. A COVID vaccine is not just a shot. It's a pledge to safeguard the wisdom and stories handed down by our elders. So join the movement, get vaccinated, and make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. For more information, including details about clinics offering free vaccines, visit vaccines.gov. Hi, I'm Claudia with Minsure, Minnesota's official health insurance marketplace. With Minsure, you can compare health plans from multiple companies and get free help from a trusted expert. Whatever health plan you choose with Minsure, it's guaranteed to cover essential benefits so you can get the care you need. See if you qualify for discounts available only through Minsure. If you need quality, comprehensive health insurance, get started now at Minsure.org. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, we got State Senator Mary Kunish and it's Friday and we love having a little fireside chat, little uh, little uh, sacred fire going on here on uh, Native Roots Radio and talk about things that are going on here in the state and the country politically and just what's happening Uh Welcome, as always, uh, State Senator Mary Kunish of Minnesota. I'm paid to wash day, everybody. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you, uh, Haley and Robert, on really a beautiful Friday in Minnesota. We're just all waiting for that snow to finally get here. My goodness. Yeah, I guess it's hitting big in Wisconsin. So, um, you know, we're protected by by some outside force and they're getting hit with snow and I guess we'll get a little, get a little, but, uh, thanks for joining us. And it's always fun uh, to wrap up the Friday with you talk about a lot of positive things and, uh, you know, what's happened in, in uh, local government here in the state of Minnesota that, you know, we're just really happy and proud <laughs> that you represent us and uh, that we are a blue state. So I just want to say a big peenagigi. Yeah, you are very welcome. And I thank my lucky stars quite often that I'm able to be a legislator in this state that recognizes um, the human rights of people, the reproductive rights, the educational rights, the general, um, you know, human rights that that go along with being a good citizen in Minnesota. And um, I'm just glad that I'm able to contribute to that and, and to um really promote the good work that that we're all doing yeah it's uh interesting um you know i remember you've been on the show a very long time and as a matter of fact state senator we just uh celebrated seven years being on on the air in january the beginning of january the first saturday and you remember we were on saturdays for uh, so long yeah i do remember that and Sometimes on Sundays, like for hours, we would just, people would just, you know, uh, cycle in and say their piece and then somebody would leave and somebody else. Yeah. Wow. Seven years. Congratulations. Well, we did the, the Sunday symposium and you helped me out big time with that. And we had people all over the country on Sunday and we were uh, wondering how Indian country, that was four years ago, how Indian country is dealing with COVID. Yeah, and it was great having a, a talking circle with all these these different people, leaders, and different people all over Turtle Island. We got to rev that up again and maybe do one. one it was a year incredible. I mean, the people that you brought in, of course, I didn't know them, and they were all leaders in really unique ways in their communities. 
but California, Arizona, New, I mean, like all over the country, people, these leaders were calling in and talking about the issues of the day and the struggles, which seem to be the common thread, yeah. you know, through all of our states, but how they are, uh, they approached it and how they did some problem solving. And um, yeah, I found it fascinating. Well, I learned something and uh, was that Navajo Nation does not have running water. And that freaked us out because we all didn't, we, that was before we had any kind of vaccine or anything. And uh, we had one Navajo doctor on and she, uh, we all did this. You know, if we were out in the public, we'd take our clothes off and shower them at the door. So we didn't know how people were getting infected. It was crazy the beginning of COVID. And that was the first time I ever heard uh, because we had a doctor from Navajo Nation, the only Native woman doctor there, and she was working 24 hours a day, um, that they had no running water. Right. Yeah. It boggles yeah. our mind, doesn't it? Yeah. But I, I mean, remember growing up here in Minnesota, my dad taking us up to the different you know, reservations up in northern Minnesota, the Anishinaabe Ojibwe. Um, and he did some pro bono work for them. He was a lawyer. And um, th there were a lot of a lot of communities that didn't have running water. And so that's, you know, like in the last 50, you know, even 50 years ago, 60 right. years ago here in Minnesota. And when you think about, like, for example, the Mille Lacs tribe of um, Ojibwe, really and truly until they got their um, casino and were able to start generating dollars that they reinvested and folded back into the community um, infrastructure, their water system was terrible and the county was not interested in supporting them or, or bringing um, good, clean, clear water, drinkable water to them. And when they uh, finally built their own water system, I, I believe they went to the city or to the county and said, hey, we're, we're um, going to be putting this in. If you want to partner with us, we're happy to partner with you and make it, you know, expand it for everybody. And they turned the tribe down. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, we shouldn't be shocked that in this day and age, there still are um, communities that don't have that kind of running water, but it it is really a sad state of being if, if that's the case here in the United States of America. Um, that that that's happening yeah. i understand you know the the remote uh locations that people live especially on in navajo uh country but mm -hmm. nonetheless um let's see let's make a real concerted effort yeah and I, just to back up what we were saying too about how how great it is to live in minnesota um when you were state representative it wasn't all peaches and cream we had like a uh, uh, a separated Republican Democrat uh, House and governor and all that. And um, now we have the trifecta, but you've gone through some pain uh, dealing with, uh, I don't know, bills not being able to be passed for, you know, the Republicans aren't for anything. They're just against things. And so I just commend you for uh, sticking it out. <laughs> mm. Really. Yeah, there's a lot of education to be done. And um, if it's one thing that I and um, our House members are doing, we're doing a lot of educating and not just of the legislature, but of the general public. And I think it's making a big positive effect here in Minnesota. Absolutely. And and we talk about this, too, that uh, other states are looking at what we're doing Um I should say what you are doing, um, but uh, that that is just uh, just a, a great great feeling. You know, people are watching what we're doing. People are moving here. Um, that it it's just I I feel really happy, and I I just uh, when I do feel blue about what's happening, maybe nationally, I look at our state as a, a beacon of hope. Hey, one of the things too that Haley and I were talking about before we uh, got on was uh, is the state parks, Haley, uh, and uh, we have uh, the bill writer here. Uh, it's exciting. Want to just uh, give a quick blurb on that, Haley? 
Yeah, well, thank you, Mary, one, for working on that. I know myself, I enjoy all of our state parks and our county parks even, uh, but I just saw something. So Upper Sioux Agency State Park near Granite Falls is being returned to the Upper Sioux community due to the land's historic and cultural importance to the tribe, uh, which is huge. I think this is just something that kind of every, whether you're res native or urban native, we all kind of advocate for land back. And it's not, you know, just because we want it back. And it's it's it means and holds so much importance to us. Um, so that's huge. And I just want to remind everyone, too, that the state um, has free state park days this year and one coming up this Monday, January 15th, and then also April 27th, June 8th and November 29th. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota, again, is blessed with, um, uh, you know, some really fabulous, wonderful um, state parks. But this Upper Sioux Agency State Park is uh, is is one that um, is is very unique. The fact that it's not a large park, it's about, I think, 1,200 or so um, acres. And um, it's actually a beautiful piece of land. I'm not going to lie. I was just over that way and um, by the park about two weeks ago. Um, but it's a, a, it's, been a state park for a while and there are trails on there you, you could go horseback riding hiking snowmobiling all of that kind of stuff but what's important and why it was returned to the upper sioux community and i'll say that um that um chair jensvold of the upper sioux was very instrumental in this because he had been fighting for almost two decades to get this back to um, to the Upper wow. Sioux community. Uh, he was determined and he did not give up for a moment. But this, after the Treaty of Traveris de Sioux of 1851, um, that treaty moved the Dakota uh, natives from Iowa and Minnesota to a reservation that was just 20 miles long along the side of the Mississippi River Valley here in Minnesota. And that's when the Yellow Medicine Agency was um, administered, uh, was established to administer those, the terms of that treaty. But then um, come 1862, and that agency was destroyed in the U.S.-Dakota War. And the mm. land was, you know, that land is the site of starvation and death of the Dakota people. And that was the consequence of the U.S. government intentionally failing to provide food and um, promised uh, promised uh, supplies. Yeah. And so do we need to stop? Yes, that we can take a break. That's okay. cool. Right on. Oh, Mary's getting it. She's been on the show six years and now she's hearing the music now. All right. Hey, we'll be right back. This is Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake and we're here with State Senator of the great state of Minnesota, Mary Kunish. We'll be right back. Unveil the captivating world of Native photography at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. Their new exhibit, In Our Hands, Native Photography 1890 to Now, turns the camera around and puts Native photographers in control, featuring hundreds of photographs captured by generations of First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and Native Americans. You'll view the world through their lens, revealing the beauty and complexity of Indigenous heritage. Don't miss this incredible experience. Visit In Our Hands at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, now through January 14th. For more info, visit artsmia.org. Hey, if you're like a lot of people, you're probably relieved that the holiday celebrations are over. But there's one thing that might stay with us from the holidays besides all those gifts, and that's COVID-19. Numbers from COVID are going up as we spend more time inside. And Native Americans are seeing even bigger case spikes. With all the indoor celebrations over the holidays, you may have unknowingly been exposed to someone with COVID-19. That's why it's important to stay vigilant. If you notice any symptoms like a fever, a tickle in the throat, or heavy fatigue, take an at-home test. They're still free and can be ordered at sayyeshometest.org. If you do test positive, you're eligible for free treatment, and no health insurance is required. Visit health.state.mn.us to connect with providers and receive your treatment. Let's make 2024 the healthiest year ever, securing a brighter future for our Native community. 
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation. Catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. As we age, it's important to invest in our health and to help protect it. Like the flu, COVID-19 is always changing. That's why it's important to stay up to date on your vaccines. By getting the flu and COVID-19 vaccines, you can renew your body's defenses and lower the risk of getting sick. Get your health boost and protect yourself against the flu and COVID-19. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. That's vaccines.gov. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hare. This portion of the show is supported by JS Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue in St. Paul. Only the good stuff keeps us awake. And I am awake and this is Native Roots Radio. Hey, Haley, uh, what time of the year is this? And it's almost winding down. It's uh, not only the beginning of uh, women's hockey, but can you guess what other time it is? It is time to make sure you have your health insurance in check. Oh. We're going in, we're in 2024 now. So, and we know that health insurance is essential for everyone in the state. That's why Minsure was created to assist you in finding the right plan. Yeah. Uh, the people at Minsure help you find uh, the right plan for you, regardless of your income. So find an affordable, healthy plan today at Minsure.org. And it's such a cool name too. I was in New York and they call it New Yorkshire and Wisconsin calls it Why Sure, but Minsure's it's got a good name to it. Hmm. Uh, did I just go on a tangent? I think so. Hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish, and we were kind of talking about uh, last segment. We were, I wanted her to finish her thought out, but you know, we're talking about land back. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a a, a movement. Let's call it uh, what it is. But again, this uh, we were talking about the return of. Um, almost 1,300 acres of uh, land to the Upper Sioux uh, community that had been a uh, federal site of uh, distribution of food and supplies that had been been promised to the the tribes when they were uh, displaced. And um, because they they would not distribute those supplies and the food and our Dakota ancestors were starving and freezing. Remember this was really happened in November or and the end of November, December, early December. So it's freezing cold. And it was the site of the U.S. Dakota war that eventually uh, resulted in the 38 plus two of our ancestors being hung. Mm-hmm. So long story short, um, Chair Jenswold had been, has been working very hard to advocate for these sacred lands. This is a site of, of, of skirmishes, of um, deaths, of burial, um, and um, 
sacred grounds to the Dakota that had lived there for generations upon generations. Mm -hmm. And it was just right that that land would go back. I mean, I can't imagine any of us deciding to take some uh, strip of land um, that had was a cemetery right. um, with anybody living, you know, having been buried there and turning it into a recreation center. And so those lands went back to the uh, the tribe and mm. the DNR is now responsible for um, creating or using um, the dollars or the, the allotment that they received from, from that park or for that park um, in some kind of recreational place down in that area mm -hmm. um it was with not without controversy let me tell you <laughs> yeah. um but at the end of the day we did we did persevere and we did um get those those really sacred lands back to the to the um the tribe that that really um fought hard to get that right well we uh had a show yesterday state senator uh that had uh, many politicians on the lieutenant governors of minnesota and Wisconsin and the governor of Wisconsin and each of them talked about uh uh where they were visiting during I don't know if there's such a thing for you guys as off time but I know you've been kind of on a, a school tour and a tour around the state seeing what's going on do you have any any update on that yeah so I did I am the chair of education finance um in the Minnesota Senate and uh, a retired teacher of 25 years and I uh, have made it my mission to really create the kind of uh, funding and policy that is student, classroom, and teacher focused. And so uh, my partner, Senator Swadzinski, and I and our team traveled around Minnesota this summer visiting schools um, and, and libraries because libraries are under my purview. And as a library media specialist, I really wanted to see all these different libraries cool. um, because we wanted to make sure that the the work that we're doing and the, the policies that we're putting in place and the funding that we're sending to the schools are being used in the best way right. possible. Um, and it turned out that I was just down, uh, actually drove by the Upper Sioux Park, which is now closed. And it was closed for a while now because one of the problems was it was in such a bad shape of deterioration, but one of the roads, the main roads in front of the entrance, um, half of it was washed out into the gully uh, because of um, flooding down there. Wow. And I shouldn't have, but I did. I did drive around the roadblocks because I wanted yeah. to see. Um, and it's, it's beautiful country down there. And, um, I was down there to pick up a most beautiful pair of moccasins that had been beaded for me wow. by uh, Walter LeBlot. And I had a lovely visit with him. And um, someday I'll rock my mocks with you. And they're, they're, yeah. it's incredible, incredible. So I say, Wopi uh, Latanka to Walter for his good work, his beautiful work, and his craftsmanship. Yeah, that's awesome. So how many, uh, how many schools do you think you've... Uh... Uh, because what were the numbers yesterday? And it wasn't schools, but I mean, like, I think the Lieutenant governor said that they made every County, um, like 82 yep. counties or something like that. And even the Lieutenant governor of, uh, Wisconsin mentioned that there was 72 or something like that. It was just like, and I, and I thought of you right away because I know you've been traveling all around, yeah. you know, it's like, wow. We've probably hit, um, close to 30 schools throughout yeah. the state. And we have a few more that we're going to go visit. I don't know if you know that there is a school for the deaf and blind down in Fairbolt. And it's been hmm. there for generations. It's actually a boarding school. Wow. Um, and I think there are a few students that board down there. But they have a new spot here in the Twin Cities. So we're going to go visit them uh, next week. And um, then just kind of start some... Uh, community conversations, like I'll be going out to St. Michael Albertville mm -hmm. in the evening one night, and they want to talk to us about what's going on out there, how they can't pass a referendum, which means they aren't, you know, getting the funding that they need for their schools. So we'll continue to do that, um, probably through my tenure, at least as the chair of education finance. It's really those voices that that are going to move the the good legislation. 
Right. And I, and seeing what they're doing and what they need and how, how they're doing it that, and, and, and that's, that's imperative and that's, that's good medicine. Well, right now there are so many schools districts that have not, and I, I'm trying to think if it's 70% of the school districts have not settled their uh, negotiations, their teacher contracts. Wow. And so I'm pretty concerned about that. And I have a feeling there will be some disruption and there might be some strikes. Um, we were able to put a lot of money into our school system last year. And uh, school districts are saying that still that still wasn't enough. I mean, we might have been able to increase by 4% the funding, but that doesn't mean necessarily, you know, like the administration will say that doesn't mean that teachers are going to get 4% increase. Right. Some districts are getting huge increases because they have that tax base. Some districts are not because they have a very low or almost non-existent tax base other than farms and homeowners who can't afford any uh, an increase in their taxes. So, you know, if it's one thing I hope to do in my tenure as the education finance chair is to find some way to equitably fund our schools. That doesn't mean yeah. equal, everybody gets the same, right. but especially those school districts that are struggling so hard, um, I'd like to find ways to keep them open and keep them um, healthy and viable. So I've been doing a lot of studying on that as well. That's great because, you know, as me being a former teacher too, uh, you know, I think about the inner city schools and then I think about the suburb schools and they're like castles, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, compared. So there is a big discrepancy. And I mean, you well, know, get out to, uh, uh, you know, out in greater Minnesota into some of these rural communities where they can hardly keep their their building in repair and mm. they certainly don't have aeronautic labs and simulators Right. They are just trying to get by, you know, so that they can can stay, keep their doors open and they don't have to consolidate with two or three other school districts and have to bust their kids 30, 40, 50 miles every day. I just wish, too, as a former teacher, uh, is that in St. Paul, what was it? every two years we had a contract up. I, I wish it was at least three because it seems like we're always negotiating mm -hmm. uh, for a contract and. And it's always negotiating, like you say, for the for the students and uh, for what what they need, and and not always what we're uh, getting paid because most teachers are not there for the money. No, no, definitely not there for the money. But um, just to point out, the reason why it is every two years is because the legislature resets their budget every two years, and so once the legislator allocates those dollars then the school districts know how much that they can use to um, to go towards salaries. I think somebody's been telling me like around 80% of, of the budgets actually go to salary. Uh, that includes the superintendent and mm -hmm. principals and administrators all the way down. But I mean, that's what schools are. They're people. Right. <laughs> if you don't have people, you don't have schools, whether you have a building or not. And we're seeing that with the teacher shortage right. and all of those sort of things. So, and uh, you know, sometimes some districts are top heavy too, and uh, want to really uh, pay for the boots on the ground, like the paraprofessionals. I know we've talked about that a lot over the years, how important they've been and are for us. And I started out as one. Yeah, I mean, if again, if I have a whole list of things that I would yeah. like to achieve in my tenure, and I really would eventually like to have some kind of a healthy, uniform hourly wage, a livable hourly wage mm -hmm. for our parents. We passed unemployment insurance for our that hourly workers great. last year, first in the nation. That's first in the nation. That's a game changer. I think it is. And I think as time goes on, it will continue to be one of those things that will help us retain and attract uh, pairs. But it also shows that we appreciate them. We respect the work that they do. And we see and hear them. Absolutely. Hey, State Senator, do you got a time for another quick uh, couple minutes before we let you go? Sure, I'll stick around. Right on. Hey, this is Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. I'm here with Haley Cherry and State Senator Mary Kunishan. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with oh. us.
Howa. Become a teacher and ignite change. Join the St. Paul Urban Residency Program to become a teacher in just 15 months. You can earn your master's degree and teaching license from the University of St. Thomas while earning a $30,000 stipend, single health care, and dental benefits. As an added bonus, next year's cohort, all residents will receive $20,000 towards their tuition. Apply now. Applications due February 28, 2024. Visit spps.org/sutr. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hi, I'm Claudia with Minsure, Minnesota's official health insurance marketplace. With Minsure, you can compare health plans from multiple companies and get free help from a trusted expert. Whatever health plan you choose with Minsure, it's guaranteed to cover essential benefits so you can get the care you need. See if you qualify for discounts, available only through Minsure. If you need quality, comprehensive health insurance, get started now at Minsure.org. The City of Minneapolis is now on Native Roots Radio with Minneapolis AIR. AIR stands for American Indian Relations. Host Christine McDonald talks to people about important things affecting the city's Native communities. Minneapolis AIR dives into topics like public safety, public health, elections, and so much more. Tune in to Minneapolis AIR on Native Roots Radio from 5 to 6 p.m. on the second Wednesday of every month right here on AM 950. Anine, I'm Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and you are listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. That was a good one. Hey, we're back it. with State Senator Mary Kunish, and uh, uh, her little grandbabies haven't woken up yet, so we're privileged to have her on for another uh, segment here to end the show. So, uh, you know, in regards to what um, Wendy always, when she sat, sits and sits across me, she always sends me a note. Ask them to talk about what they want to talk about. And uh, this is your opportunity. Uh, in remembrance of uh, Wendy and our animal section, uh, what would you like to talk about here, State Senator, before we let you go? Well, I'll update you on um, what we've been working on for MIFPA, the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. Uh, and that is like a mini ICWA uh policy, Indian Child Welfare Act. And if you remember a year ago, uh, we were in a panic because we were very fearful that at the federal level, the um, uh, ICWA would be rescinded. And then those, those legislative, those laws that are in place to protect our Native kids from being removed uh, and put into the foster care system and into the, all of that um, would be taken away and so Minnesota and many other states have their own like statewide ICWA. We call ours MIFA, Minnesota Indian mm -hmm. Family Preservation Act. Anyways, um, I worked on some legislation and a whole team of uh, lawyers and tribal people and agencies worked very uh, hard on putting together some of those protections in a bill last session, which we passed very early in session just to make sure that that those protections were there should ICWA go away. ICWA did not go away, but as we were working on um, the uh, already um, uh, established MIFA, there were things that needed to be updated. There were some corrections that needed to be made. So once again, this incredible team led by Re um, Rebecca McConkie Green 
and uh, a number of other incredible uh, lawyers and agency people and tribal folks. Anyways, they worked all summer long on the updates and we did get those updates and we'll um, get that going right away in this legislative session that begins February 12th. And then, um, and you know, we just, we just want to make sure that, that we're always updating those sort of things yeah. because uh, you know, we, we all know the tragedy of, of the removal of our children and families. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to make sure that does not ever happen in Minnesota in the way that it has in the, in the, in history. Here, here, great, great news. Um, one thing uh, we talked a little bit about uh, before coming on the air was uh, the flag that I'm so proud of we're having. And now I'm hearing Haley, do you got something that we can, a little article we can comment on? Uh, I'm just in shock here about this. This whole I know, I know. And unfortunately, we do have to have people um, where stories like this do come out. So this is actually coming from NPR News. Uh, this was posted this past Wednesday. Uh, Coils Flags and Flagpoles in St. Cloud, Minnesota, sells all things flag-related, such as U.S. flags, military and veteran flags, police and fire department flags. But the item that the store owner, Tim Coyle, said he can't keep in stock is the current Minnesota state flag. This quotation says, I've had people tell me they're buying them and they're buying them in stock because they're going to fly the current flag as long as they can. Coyle said that they don't even want to fly the new one. <laughs> so uh, a little chat between Haley and I, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, uh, State Senator, but it's almost going by uh, the Confederate flag down south, it sounds like. I mean, that kind of attitude. My goodness. Yeah, there, there are um, uh, plenty of Minnesotans. Um, and I would say those that are of the conservative, ultra conservative uh, being um, that are are not willing and not have not accepted the fact that um, the process that we went through to um, create a new Minnesota flag because of the offensive nature of the the one that we had, um, they they're not going to accept it. I. I fully expect Republicans to bring legislation to either halt the new flag, to go back and redo the whole flag process. Um, you know, we hear all kinds of, of reasons that we should not accept and start flying the new Minnesota flag, which I, I you know, I'm not surprised, but I, I just wish that people would stop and think about um you know, the reasons that they're doing this. And when they say, I, I liked the old flag. And for a long time, when people would say that, I'd say, well, what did you like about that flag? <laughs> well, can you describe the flag to me? Right. And they couldn't even do that because they didn't understand the significance of that flag. Um, there are communities and police departments and organizations that say, oh, it's going to cost us so much money to switch over <laughs> to a new flag. Oh um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we did have a public transparent process. There was opportunity for submissions. And I think we had a well-rounded group of people on the on the commission that really did listen and learn and and make good decisions. Not everybody agreed to everything. But, um, yeah, it's just really kind of disheartening that we have those that um, are using this as a as a political, you know, tool to to be obtuse and, and contradictory. Yeah. Um, geez, it's always the farthest the farther you get away from the tall buildings, the more conservative people are. So I'm sure we'll be seeing some blue flags that probably people never were even had the Minnesota state flag out before mm -hmm. now putting it out there and trying to make a, a, a idiotic point of some sort, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, I, I, they don't have the votes for that. I mean, they can bring it up as much as they want, right? Yeah. They, they are not in the majority <laughs> um, in the Senate. We have just a one person minority uh, majority. Mm -hmm. So if they were able to convince one of our Democrats uh, to go, you know, contradictory to the to the flag, that could happen. 
Let's mm. hope that doesn't happen. But um, all in all, it's a lesson to be learned. I think it was Utah that just got a new flag. And they, uh, you know, down there, there was a group of people that brought a lawsuit. So I, I guess I'm not surprised if if our um, Republicans had been willing to acknowledge and accept it, then I would have been surprised. Um, but this does not surprise me, but it just adds to the the extra work that we all have to do. Yeah. And we should be working on homelessness and helping people. Instead, we're, we're talking about um, flags and how, you know, again, it's the Republicans aren't for anything. They're against mm -hmm. stuff. What yeah. it's just, I'm kind of like shell shocked to hear this because I, I thought the process was the process. This was good change. Um, change is always good, but you're always going to have people fighting for change. And it sounds like the Republican parties really fights for change, especially when it comes, uh, with racist, uh, things they want to keep their so-called history of racism intact. And that's what that flag reminds me of and the poem that goes along with it. Yeah, 100%. You're right. Yep. I've never seen anyone flying the old Minnesota state flag ever outside um, of their house or on a flagpole. So it is really uh, surprising to hear this. But what do you expect? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's leave on a, on a good note here. We got a minute left. Uh, state Senator, we just, uh, like we talked about a little earlier, we're just really so happy that you're part of the Native Roots radio family and heard around all of the country and uh this is our seventh year on the air which is surprising for me i thought it was longer and then some days i think it's shorter but i just want to say <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with us each week for all these years with us my pleasure my pleasure i learn something new every time i'm on the on the show and it's really a delight to hang out with you guys right on and we'll see you next week and this is uh thanks again for coming on Sounds good. Have All a right. good weekend, everybody. Wopila. Right on. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you're part of the resistance. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. And free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs>